Good morning, church. At this time, we're going to dismiss our preteens and teens for their class. Give me a minute. I'm having an iPad malfunction here. Imagine that. Wow. One second. So two quick reminders. Thank you for your patience. Two quick reminders. Big reminder right now for tonight is we invite everyone back at 7 o'clock. It is our sixth annual carols at Creekside with the Kyle Thurman band. That's why all the extra gear and everything is set up. It's, it's just a great show. It's a great time. It's going to be a worship night. Uh, it's just, uh, I tell people it's Branson type quality. It's just a marvelous show. It's a night of fellowship. We kind of use it here to really get in the Christmas spirit for coming Christmas week. So it's a great event to invite your friends to. If you've got friends you're trying to get to Creekside, uh, welcome online community and welcome some visitors. Got to meet some of you in the lobby. Thank you for coming to Creekside today. The second thing is our Christmas weekend service. We will be having service in person on Christmas Eve, that's Saturday night at 6 o'clock. That's our in-person service. Uh, we chose to do that. We actually put it on our members page and the leadership decided to do that. Then on Christmas Day, we will be online only so that you can enjoy time with your family. You can watch the video. We'll be debuting it at 10 a.m. that morning. A lot of you, some of you are traveling, so you can catch it on the road, worship in the car. We want to provide that for you. So put that in your phone, put that in your calendar. Saturday night, Christmas Eve, it's going to be a great Christmas Eve service. Mikey and the team has some music planned. I've got a, we'll be finishing this series, Behold the Lamb. And then Christmas Day, you can tune in from anywhere on Facebook Live, 10 a.m. for a Christmas Day online service. We are going through the Christmas series. If you remember, this is week three of Behold the Lamb, where we're talking about the Christ child. We've gone the first week of the foretelling of Jesus, that there was a Messiah, there was a Christ child to come. Uh, the second week, we talked about actually the Christ child being born and the situation that came through that. We tied in the Advent themes, first of hope, you know, the foretelling is hope that the Christ child would come. In the second week, we talked about joy. Most of you, if you've had children, there's a joyous occasion when those children are born. And then today, we're talking about the adult life of Jesus. When Jesus grows up and steps into ministry, and we know he had a ministry of love. And what we're going to do today is we're going to unpack about eight truths about Jesus in his life and ministry as an adult, and we're looking at him, I guess you could say, I know a lot of you watch The Chosen, this sermon is kind of like the video series, this is when Jesus steps up to the plate in ministry, this is when he fully, this is the defining moment, if you will, church, when he truly embraces becoming the Lamb of God. We start out with that passage from John 1, 29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, or I like the King James, behold. You know, behold's a little longer than looking, isn't it? It's to take it in. It's like, hey, notice this. This is something you haven't seen before. John says, look, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. Now, quick backstory, and I know most of you know this. It's really special for John to be saying this because John knew Jesus. They're first cousins. They grew up together. Their moms were sisters. So it's interesting that of all the names that, you know, he, you know if he'd been down south in uh, Alabama or Mississippi, he'd probably say, what's up, cuz? Right? John didn't do that. John, to what would become the disciples, Jesus' disciples, says, Behold, here's the one, the Lamb of God. And it's so interesting, church. He could have said many things about the Lamb of God, but what does he say? He's the one who takes away. He doesn't, he doesn't sustain them. He doesn't postpone them. He takes them away. That's good news. That's joy. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, John the Baptist in this moment points to us the apocalyptic lamb. The lamb who hates sin and will eradicate it one day from the world. But John also is pointing us to the sacrificial lamb who took upon himself the penalty for sin due to his people so that we could be saved. Let's pray together. Father, speak to our hearts this morning as we see these deep spiritual truths, these prophecies fulfilled of your coming Messiah, the Lamb of God. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and may we embrace him, not only in this Christmas season, but again, each and every day of our life. In Jesus we pray, amen. We're going to unpack about eight truths. Number one, Jesus will have a sinless, blemish-free blemish life in ministry. I'm so glad God didn't pick me, aren't you? Because I can't live a sinless life. I'm flawed. I'm broken. I need help. But Jesus did. The prophecy is found in Exodus 12 and 5. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Hebrews 9.14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God cleanse our conscience from the acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God see God looked through history and found the only one that could pay the price that was due to be paid none of us could pay that price so Jesus took it on himself as John said he became that sacrificial lamb number two Jesus would become then the perfect sacrifice Psalm 46 and 8 says, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here am I, I have come. It is written in me about the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. Hebrews again, chapter 10, 5 through 10 says this, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering, he quotes the actual passage, you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then he said, here I am, it is written about me in the scrolls, I have come to do your will, my God. First he said, sacrificing and offerings and burnt offerings you did not desire, you nor were you pleased with that, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first 
to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and all. We have been made holy. Why? How? By the body of Christ through his sacrifice. Number three, Jesus would teach in parables. If you read the gospel, he starts out teaching, but then he realizes he has to shift to parable mode. Actually, the scriptural says when he started talking parables, he stayed with parables and never talked without telling a parable again. We're going to look at that. And the prophecy from Psalm 78 says, My people hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things hidden things from old. Remember, one of my definitions for a parable, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a hidden thing. We see the fulfillment when we get to Matthew 13. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using the parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of of the world. And boy, did he talk in parables. And remember, parables also. Parables was a storytelling mechanism popular in the day, but many times what we forget about parables is they always have what I like to call the left hook. They always have some irony in them. Remember the Good Samaritan? You know, to the Jewish crowd, he's telling a story of a priest, two priests actually, that have a chance to help somebody who's fell on the road. And they pass him by. And then of all the unlikely heroes, who shows up? A Samaritan. Who the Jew, you know, that would be like today in the right circles, making someone from Al-Qaeda the hero of a story and the offense at the height of our engagement with them. Like, what? There's no way this guy could be good. Imagine being a Jewish person and hearing that. But imagine, too, what the Scripture says, that Jesus only taught that way. Jesus is pushing the envelope. Jesus is teaching boldly and strongly, like, you've got to change your hearts. You can't harbor this racism in your heart. You can't harbor this prejudice in your heart. You can't look at these people different because they're another culture, they're another color than you. Jesus used simple stories to tell strong messages. Maybe we should too these days. Number four, Jesus would have a miraculous ministry or a ministry of the supernatural, a ministry of miracles. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6 says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. We find Jesus in Matthew eleven two 2 and 6. John, again John the baptizer, when he was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who has come or should we expect someone else? You know, some people get hung up on that part of the passage. They say, Hey, John was wavering in his faith. John was having some doubts. I don't think so. You know what? I, have you ever asked somebody just to hear a truth confirmed to you? Have you done that? I think that's where John is. John knows he's in a hard place. He's in prison because he, John spoke bold to the king who says, I'll give this dancer anything she wants. Well, I want him beheaded. 
John kind of sees the writing on the wall. You know what I think, John? John had no doubts. John needed some encouragement. Anybody ever need any encouragement in their life? Somebody speak a word in? And look at what Jesus tells him. Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you hear, what you see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those that have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You know what Jesus is saying to cousin John? I'm doing everything you said and God's got for me to do. I'm fulfilling everything that was ever written of me, cousin. I am on a collision course with legalized religion. And as they kill you, my time's coming too, but I'm going to keep going as God's laid out the path for me to walk. That's what Jesus is saying to John. Number five, Jesus would be despised and rejected. Isaiah 53, we know this passage, 53.3. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like from one whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Does that change? I should have put one of the many poplar and wrong pictures of Jesus up. You know, one of the real white, blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus is up. Did you read what the prophet just said of Jesus? I want you to think of somebody you don't want to look at. Because they're so ugly. That's what that scripture just said. He was like someone we hid our faces from. We didn't even think much about him. You know what that tells me? Jesus, Jesus was just the common guy that fit in with the crowd. But you know what is amazing about that? Thousands came to hear him. People wanted to be in his presence. See, he wasn't tall and kingly looking like Saul in the Old Testament. He didn't look like a king. He didn't look like a revolutionary that the Jews were looking for to overthrow Rome. He looked like a man on the streets. He probably would have blended in with the homeless. Is that your Jesus? Is that what you think about through all the art and through all the movies that we see? That's what the prophecy says about him. And look what happens to him in Luke 4 and 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Actually, he'd been talking in bold parables again. They got up, drove him out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. I've preached some hard lessons, but I've never had the crowd charge the stage or want to run me on a rail out of town or throw me off a cliff. Maybe I need to. That must have been a hard sermon to hear for the whole city to get up and say, this guy's going over the cliff. They didn't like him. They didn't like what he was saying, what he was doing, or how he looked. That's my Jesus. That's our Jesus. Number six, Jesus will set the captives free. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, to release from darkness the prisoners. You know this story. I love this. Of all the scrolls handed to Jesus in Luke 4, he went to Nazareth. That's his hometown. Watch, where he'd been brought up. 
And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. This is a random event at this point. Watch the text. As was his custom. You know what that means? I'm going to have fun with this. Jesus was a regular church tender. As was his custom. Jesus is in the temple. He stood up to read and the scroll of prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He didn't pick it. It was given to him. Messianic prophecies being fulfilled. All at the hand of God. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he stops there. We'll get to that in one second. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's interesting he stopped there. Because if you go back to the Isaiah passage and continue to read, guess what happens in the next sentences? The wrath of God is poured out. You remember how many times Jesus would tell people, don't say anything, my time has not yet come. Jesus, I've told this before, for years I thought Jesus sometimes was a victim of circumstance especially during Jesus' last week on earth, Jesus is the one calling the shots. Jesus is the one pushing the buttons to make them push him around. Jesus is in full control of everything that's happening, right up to the cross. And it's interesting, he stops, because at that time the wrath of God had not been poured out. But he had done everything that prophecy had said. He was setting captives free like Mary of Magdala, like the man in the tombs that had an evil spirit, like the blind, like the lame, like the lepers. He was bringing freedom and he was releasing people from darkness. Number seven, Jesus will rejoice as the Messiah, I'm sorry, Jerusalem will rejoice as the Messiah comes to her upon a donkey. I love this. This is a great, this, this is a simple but deep, prophecy. Zechariah 9, 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And we know the fulfillment in Matthew 21. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Crowds went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole, notice that, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? Now here's the wonderful, unique part of this prophecy. 400 years before this event even happened, Daniel got a prophecy of that. We read about it in the Old Testament. I'm talking 400 years. And not only did Jesus ride into Jerusalem as was prophesied, ride in on a donkey, he rode in 478 years and 25 days to the date. Tell me Jesus isn't historically correct and real. 
tell me he's not the Messiah promised through all messianic prophecies. There's no way that can happen without being God-fulfilled. It's interesting to note, quick sidebar, is the prophecy. We've seen, if you've seen Gladiator or any Roman movies or movies of that time period, how is it that the king enters the city? Usually it's on a white stallion or it's in a chariot and it's pomp and circumstances, right? Because he's kingly. Well, Jesus came in because he was king. But Jesus came in lowly and humbly. And the biggest part of Jesus riding in that way at that time, fulfilling that prophecy, you know what it showed? Because remember what I said? All of the Jews, all of the Hebrews... We're looking for a revolutionary, a zealot to overthrow Rome. They're looking for somebody to come in with might and military force and set us free. That's not a good picture to come in on a donkey. Not what Hollywood portray as a conquering leader into the city. So you know what message Jesus is sending? My ministry... My mission is really different than you guys think. I haven't come here to overthrow Rome. I've come here to overthrow darkness. And it's a whole different perspective when we think of Jesus in that way. And last but not least, number eight, Christ. Christ Jesus will be our Passover lamb. We find that story in Exodus 12, 21, 27. Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians... He will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, and he will pass, thus pass over that doorway. And he will not permit the destroyer. I love that they use that word destroyer. He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance to you and to your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you, as promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And then the people bowed down and worshipped. Paul writes it this way to us for the fulfillment in 1 Corinthians 5. Seven, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, what does Paul call him? Our Passover lamb has been sanctified. Beloved, Jesus is the holy lamb of God come into our world for redemption. That's his ministry. A ministry of love, a ministry of mercy, a ministry of miracles, a ministry of compassion. Galatians writes it this way in Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the time had fully come, some translations say just at the right time. 
God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive our adoptions as sons and daughters. See, Jesus came into this world for redemption. He fulfilled every, and these eight are just eight of many. Many, many. We, we, we could list 20 in one sermon. But many, every messianic prophecy ever given about the Lamb of God was fulfilled. So this morning I want to ask you, have you beheld? Do you know what John said? Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Do you know the Lamb of God that paid the sacrificial price for your sin my sin have you accepted him into your life has he become your personal savior and lord of your life have you confessed him and then made a walk and been baptized and begin walk of faith in that new life that paul wrote about behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world if you have sins if you have struggles jesus can take those away Jesus can make you a new person from the old person that you once were by stepping into that role as the Lamb of God, the Lamb who would one day walk a hill carrying his own cross to be crucified for the penalty and weight of sin that was on us. Have you beheld the Lamb? Has he taken away your sin? If you need prayers, we'd love to pray with you after service. During service, find somebody to pray with. I'll be here available. We ask you to pray in our online community. Send us a message. If you need prayers, we'll respond to those. But as we head into the week before the world acknowledges the Lamb of God, the Christ child, let us reflect on what that really means. He's not only our King, He's not only our Savior. He's the perfect Lamb of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, as we sang, thank you for your Son, your one and only Son. I can't imagine the conversation that went on. You needing a perfect sacrifice and the loving, obedient Son in the person of Jesus to come and, and know being God himself, Father, to know what lay in store, to know that Isaiah passage that he's not going to be the most popular guy in Jerusalem. He's not going to land in the palace and have all the royalty and people and servants. Life will be hard and broken. He'll be betrayed. He'll be denied. And he'll be taken by force and killed. And yet he said, if this is what it takes to redeem mankind, I'll be the lamb. I'll go, Father. Father God, let us look to the lamb of God. Let us behold the lamb. Father, I'd ask we behold him in a brand new way through these messianic prophecies that we're unpacking in this message series. I'd ask when we see all the images that inundate us in Christmas time, You'd speak to our hearts. you let the Holy Spirit encourage us, inspire us at the gift of a baby in a manger.
Father, help us to walk as he walked. Help us to love as he loved. And help us to share the Lamb of God with all who will hear his good news. We pray this in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen.